guys, welcome to church. It's time for some announcements. Hey, coming up in a couple weeks, July 27th at 6.30 p.m., jam night. Again, great time for us to, to play our instruments and sing together. Uh, and it is open to everybody. You don't have to be a musician or a vocalist to join. You can just kind of listen to if you want. But uh, I'm encouraging all the musicians to come and gather for that. It's a great time. That's this July 27th at 6.30 p.m. Also coming up, August 3rd is our next family fun night. We have a great time. So many kids have come and been a part. We set up our bounce houses in the auditorium. Um, human foosballs going on. Uh, we'll even live stream some of those games and the kids have a blast doing that. We'll have hot dogs out in the food truck that night. So you won't want to miss it. That's August 3rd at 5.30 p.m. And guys, we need guys and girls, okay? We're, you know, <laughs> we need everybody to volunteer for that night. So please do, okay? Uh, we'll have a form on the app available that'll let you sign up to volunteer. Uh, it does take a good amount of people to make that event uh, a little more successful. So if you can volunteer, please do. Also, uh, to keep in your calendars, it, it's a ways away, but we're going to announce it now. August 26th is the return of our family movie night. We're showing the DreamWorks movie, The Bad Guys. Uh, it was like cartoon animals that were bad, led by the big bad wolf. Look cute. So that's August 26th, 6.30 p.m. Something to keep an eye out for. Our movie nights are always free, and they're, they're great for everybody. Free popcorn. And I'd say that the system is quite good for it. So that's it for announcements. Let's get ready for church. Woo! Welcome to those of you joining us online. We're getting ready to go here. Glad you're with us. Uh, worship was awesome this morning, so uh, we're going to enjoy that with you. And then we're starting a new series today called The Fight, all about spiritual battle. So get your Bibles and get ready for that. Maybe get a coffee, get comfy, because uh, here we go. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to have to trademark that soon. Trademark the woo? Yeah, copyright it. No, just <laughs> kidding. Trademark. Keys Vineyard. <laughs> it's good to see you all. We are looking forward to spending time with you in worship and in the word. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do. In case you didn't know, we start things off with communion. Pastor Barry is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Miss Rachel is going to come up and lead the kids through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them off to their Sunday school classes. And we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We are beginning our new series called The Fight today, and it's really, really good. So we're excited to get going, but before we do any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we're gathered here this morning for you. And we're so thankful that you meet us anytime, anywhere. Thank you for the many blessings and the way that you take care of us, Papa. We can't wait to see the things that you're going to do in us and through us. Papa, would you help us keep our hearts softened and our ears opened? We want to be more like you. Help us to draw closer to you. 
And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, we ask that the course of this world may be peaceably ordered by your providence, that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly and quiet devotion. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Pastor Barry. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last supper, the Passover celebration, a couple of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus took the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. There with his friends that night, Jesus gave us the last ordinance or remembrance we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. So as his friends gathering this morning, we partake of this meal, the bread, the cup, the body and blood of the Lord. We want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So this morning over here on the side of the sanctuary on this table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship in song, you feel led by the Spirit, please come and partake and remember and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Barry. We're going to enter now into our time of worship, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we elevate Jesus here in this place today. We're going to see the words pop up on the screens. Sing along. Hey, you guys are welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Let's sing this together. The battle belongs to you, Lord.
Lord, we love you. We thank you. We worship you, God, for all that you are. You're so good, Lord. And Lord, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken, that are taught to us, God? Use those words to stir up our hearts to you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those working with our precious children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. 
You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And Miss Rachel. Where's Miss Rachel? There she is. Yeah. Normally Georgina's over there, so I, I made I pointed there. You weren't hello, there. You hello, hello, good morning. Miss Rachel, do you give the kids a Bible first? Yeah, you get me this week. Hi, guys. Oh, we got some more coming. Hi. All right, I am so excited to talk to you guys today about our Bible verse and tell you a little bit about what you're going to be learning in Sunday school. So, you can find the story in 2 Samuel. It's a true story. It comes from the Bible. And this story, it helps us learn about God's commitment his grace, and his desire to extend his kingdom of peace and blessing over all nations. Are you guys ready to hear the story? Yeah? Okay. So God made David king over Israel, and he used to be a shepherd. And one day, King David was talking to his friend, Nathan the prophet, and he was like, you know, I have this really nice beautiful palace I live in, but the ark of God is in a tent. So Nathan told David, God's with you. Do whatever you feel led to do. Do what's on your heart. But God didn't want that. God had a different idea. And it was, it was a really good idea. His ideas are usually really good. Yeah, yeah yes, they are. So God passed along a message to, to Nathan that he wanted Nathan to tell David. And he was like, David, you want to build me a house? But I've been in a tent ever since I've delivered my people out of Egypt. I've always been with them. Did I ever ask for someone to build me a house? And no, he didn't. And he actually wanted David's son to build him a house. And so Nathan passed along that message to David, and he listened and he obeyed. And this is where our Bible verse comes in. It's 2 Samuel seven eighteen. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? Because God made a promise to King David that all the kings would come from his family. So do you know which king, who's our king that came from David's family? Jesus. 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 Good job. All right. You want to repeat the Bible verse? Yes. All right. Second Samuel 7, 18. Second Samuel 7:18. Then King David went in. And sat before the Lord and prayed. Who am I? O sovereign Lord. And what is my family? That you have brought me this far. Good job guys. All right. You want another sticker? The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And then hang on a minute, and Miss Rachel will pray for you. We'll send you off to Children's Church. 
All right. Did you guys get cool stickers? Yeah. Okay. We're going we're gonna to pray, so let's bow our head and close our eyes, okay? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your commitment to us, for your love and the grace that you extend over us. And I pray for all of our precious children that they will walk in your love today and every day. Amen. Go have fun. Oh, that dog back there wants to go to children's church. He's looking longingly as the kids walk by. That's where the party is. Look at his tail going. Yeah, snacks. Take me, help me. I don't want to listen to this guy. (laughs) Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to all of you joining us online. Happy to have you here. And, uh, We're starting a brand new series today, so I'm really looking forward to that. We'll get to there in just a moment. Let's do this. If you're a first-time guest, that code is for you. If you were to point your smart device at that with the camera on, a link will pop up on your phone, and that will take you to our digital connect card. There you'd be asked for your name, your phone number, and your email address. We'd love for you to fill that out. Please know if you do, you will get a series of texts and emails from us over the next five or six weeks. And uh, it'll welcome you to the church, give you some information, ask you some questions. All that stuff will be going. Also, we have gifts for all the first-time guests back in guest services. If you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on your way out and pick up your uh, first-time guest gift. I said all those words correctly. You did. I'm very... Yeah, thank you very much. They normally get messed up as I'm going through them. Also here in the very beginning of each service, we take time to pray for our neighbors. It's really important. Uh, And so we highlight it as we go. And my encouragement is that you're doing this every day. Every time you pull in and out of your neighborhood, walk around, whatever, pray for your neighbors. You know, you know, in that house, just lift them up to the Lord. Or even if you don't know, just ask God's blessing on them. And then when we gather... We do that corporately, which is cool because there's people watching now from all over the country, all over the world, actually. And I love the idea that we're praying for all those communities and areas and neighbors uh, to come to know Jesus. So think about a couple of your neighbors, and let's just take them to the Lord. Papa, we come before you, and we pray for our neighbors. We lift them up to you. We ask, God, that you would move in mighty ways in their lives and that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors and to love our neighbors well. And bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Cool. Prayer. Listen, we're going to talk about spiritual battle. Prayer is the starting point. Prayer is the first thing we do. It's not the last sort of it's what we need to be doing. Prayer should be covering everything and before everything. So keep praying for your neighbors and for revival and for those things because that's that's huge and it's very important that we do that. And I would say that uh, as we move into this next series on the spiritual battle, the, the reason we need to engage in spiritual battle effectively 
has a lot to do with loving our neighbors well. And, and we're going to make that connection that I, I think this is one of the ways that we do it is we, we realize what the battle is, where it's coming from, and then we, we go after the battle with the weaponry that God has given us. And instead of like attacking people, we get to what's behind situations and we go after the battle there. So all of that is all about loving our neighbors well, which what is uh, what we're going to be heading into. But let's, uh, I need to dig into this, and so I better get to the jokes. Your favorite part. And that you get to enjoy them three times is really blessings. Jesus loves me. <laughs> What do you call the boss at Old McDonald's Farm? The C-I-E-I-O. I tried watching the movie the other day. It's an old movie, uh, The Never-Ending Story. Yeah, I couldn't finish it. Does anybody remember that movie, The Never-Ending Story? Yeah, 1984. Okay. All right, this is probably my favorite. Why did the cowboy get a dachshund? Because he wanted to get a long little doggy. It's your misfortune and none of my own. You don't know that song? It only makes sense if you know the song. You just wanted Whoopie to sing. Tie. I like song. Well, we'll be tie. Get a, everyone get a, no, no. no, let's move along. Just the women now. <laughs> All the, All guys. the way to the back. Okay, that's the wrong situation altogether. Let's pray before we read the word, shall we? Oh, thank you, Lord, for this time together, for the people that you've gathered here this morning, Lord. We, we thank you. You are our humble, humble, sweet king, but you are also a mighty warrior. And Lord, you win with goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and love. You cover everything in love. Papa, download those fruits into us today as we learn about the battle. In Jesus' name, amen. This scripture was really hard for me to find, so will you stand with me, please? That's a little extra joke. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. So as we're heading into a new series, uh, I always like to get as far back into the story as we can, so I, I, couldn't, I can't get any further back than Genesis 1-1. And there are some things that we need to see here, in, the, in, in particular in the first three chapters of Genesis that we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks digging into, uh, as we, we sort of lay a foundation for spiritual battle. So I, I can't go real quick through this. I, we have to sort of take some time and lay a little foundation, and we've done that before in other series, and you'll, you'll see how some of the other series have all been foundation for this one. And in fact, the very last series we did, the whole thing on the fruit of the Spirit was in place where we put it so that we could get into this. Because I didn't want to uh, engage in 
the idea of spiritual battle without having fully sort of gone over again fruit of the Spirit. And that, that the, you know, Holy Spirit dwells in us. We have resurrection power flowing through us. We have everything we need to engage in the battle as it comes up. And, and that also the fruit of the Spirit, they're, they're sort of the attributes of God's family and that we need to be very aware of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That, that's how we operate in the world. That's what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in us uh, so that we don't get off track when we engage in the battle, but the, that our heart is there. The other idea that I wanted to make sure we had uh, is that these, this fruit of the Spirit are the attributes of God. They're, they're what, his, what He wants His family to walk in. And that the idea of family is really important to God. And we're going to dig into that through this thing too as we, as we see sort of where the battle has come from and what's going on. So all those are extremely important in this, uh, in this message. Quick side story about family. Because God loves family. So let me tell you a quick family story. So, uh, Friday, uh, afternoon, we went to my son's house, and uh, he so Doug Kim, and then my daughter comes over uh, and brings her five kids, and Doug's kids are there, and Pastor Barry and Renee are in town. They're like family. We've known them forever. They came over with Austin, and we had some family time. It was fun. We were going to have a barbecue. We did have a barbecue, but it started to rain, so the kids had to get out of the pool. We went inside, so we're going to play some board games. That, that's just kind of, that's like a family thing, right? And... Um, Board games have changed a lot. I don't know how many of you have kept up with board games. I think some of the board games I played as kids are still around, but we don't see them anymore. Like Monopoly is still around and stuff, but that's not what happened. And so the, the new games that kids are playing, which I, I can't, t- I, I enjoy as well. Um, there's one that we didn't play yesterday, but it is one of my new favorites. It's called Poop Bingo. <laughs> and I know you're like, oh, oh. But it's cards, and it's pictures of animal poop, and what goes with what animal. So it's kind of redemptive, I guess. You could call it like science-y. But mostly you get to say poop a lot. So, it's a favorite with kids. But that's not the game we played. Yesterday we played a game called Poetry for Neanderthals. No, not many of you know. Okay, so let me quickly tell you what happens. So it's real quick. So... uh this game is uh, has uh, these cards, and you have to get your team to tell you what is you're reading on the card, but you can only use one-syllable words to describe it. And so you begin to sound a little Neanderthal in the process, because think everything you want has two syllables, you, and you one syllable, and so it gets kind of grunty. Well, the other thing that comes with the game besides the cards is this blow-up Neanderthal-type club. It's pretty big. And, and it look, it is just like a club. And so, uh, one of the people during the game, so you have someone who's getting their card and their team's trying to figure it out, and then you have a judge from the other team who gets to hold this weapon. And if you say two syllables, they get to whap you with this inflatable club. And this is my favorite part. So, my grandson Reed, it's his turn to be judge. And it's Renee's turn to give clues to her team. And he, he goes over and he stands next to her and he has his club all blown up and he sort of gets it ready like a baseball bat. He's like this. <laughs> and we sort of forget he's there for a minute and Renee's giving clues and all of a sudden out comes this little tiny two-syllable word. And before any of us could even react, we just like, whack! <laughs> That's all right. It was hilarious. <laughs> has nothing to do with the story. 
She got hit in the head. She survived. Reed had so much fun. Okay. Family, big deal. Still is. And, and for us, as the family of God, understanding the spiritual battle is huge. It's, it's one of the things that we're called to is in engaging in this. So I need to lay some foundation. As I said, I'm going to go through uh, as quickly as I can today four sort of terms or ideas as an introduction. And then we will pick up the story and roll with it as we go. But I need you to understand these things so that we can press on in the story. So the four things I want to talk today are, are about cosmology, cosmic temple, imagers, and Elohim. Those are the four things. So hang with me as we go. Let's start with cosmology. Cosmology uh, is not cosmetology. Let's just get right there out of the way. Think, oh, what is this, about makeup? No. Cosmology. It's a compound word, cosmos, world or universe, and logia, uh, which means the study of. So you guys know that when you see in a logi on the end of something, it's a study of something. So it's a study of the cosmos. And, and really, let's define that as it's sort of the way that we understand the uh, beginning of the universe, how creation went, the order of the universe, whatever, but we have to know that. And you also have to know that you have a definite cosmology. Everyone here in the room has it. We, have a, we all have a way that we see uh, and understand creation. And that could be very varied depending on everyone in the room. But when you read Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, immediately you have a way of thinking about that verse. And that would be your, your cosmology and the way you're defining those things. And, uh, and my, I'm guessing here, but I'm, my thought is that oftentimes as we read something like that, God created the heaven, we think of heavens, and we, we have a tendency to think of the heavens usually as something way away, and if God is there, it's still millions of miles away. Perhaps it's where we go after we die. These are some of the thoughts that we have when we think about heaven, and that's impacting the way we read the verse. And then when we read earth... Well, we know what Earth looks like. We've seen pictures, and we, you know, it's a planet, right? And it's spinning around, and we have these things that pop into our brain as we start to think about what Earth looks like. And so immediately we have in our mind this, this, okay, well, this is what they must be talking about. The heavens way up there, and the Earth, this planet splitting around on the, you know, picture of the globe, whatever you have. And that's all good. But one of the things that we need to understand is that the people to whom the Bible was written also had a cosmology. They had a way of thinking about the universe and how it started and how it was ordered and all those things. And what was written would impact them completely differently than the way it impacted us. And, and so this is really important when you read the Scripture. Is, is When you read the text... We have a tendency to read the Bible and then we try and interpret it as a science book or a rule book or a textbook. And, and we, we're, we're trying to sort of impose our cosmology, our understanding now, and our worldview, if you would, onto the text. And it begins to, we try and make it say things that it's not saying. And so, you know, 3,500 years ago or so when this was written, the people who read it had a different way of looking at it. We need to, in order to understand the Bible, we need to think more like the people it was written to when it was written. Let me, let me make sure, I'm going to hear to say this too. So the Bible was written to them. It was written for you. 
Don't, don't ever hear me say it wasn't. It was absolutely written for you, but it was written to them, and that impacts what's going on in the Scripture. And God knew what he was doing. He, he, he said this is the perfect time and people to bring in this inspired word so people understand me and understand what's going on. But he also knew that we would need to be able to get back and think the way they were thinking so that we could understand what was going on in the Bible. That's throughout the Bible. And you need to take that in. And, and most of us are guilty of trying to impose on the Bible our current worldview and our current sort of cosmology. Nothing wrong with knowing what we know. And it, it, also, this is one of those things that, that I want to mention. We're not smarter than they were. We might know a few things that they didn't know because of what's changed, but the extremely intelligent, very smart, well-thought people, the Bible writers themselves were, were off the charts brilliant, and the way that God used them to give us the, the Bible and how it flows and the stories, it's just fascinating. So don't ever sort of write those people off because we know some things they didn't know. They knew some things we don't know. And we need to be aware of that. So part of our deal in this whole thing is is remembering who the Bible was written to and understanding what they were taking. Now, I would say for this spiritual battle idea, what I want you to come away with from heavens and earth, and also Genesis 1-1 is kind of a heading for what's going to happen over the next two or three chapters. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Big breath and pause. And then they start to describe some things that happen over the next two or three chapters. But you have that as sort of a start. So that's there. Uh, when you read Heavens and Earth, just for now, uh, I would say what you need to think of it is, is, is like realms. So there was the heavenly realm and there's the earthly realm. Let's just leave that. Or you could call it like divine space and human space. It would be another way of understanding it. Or sky space and land space. Just something that doesn't get you to something millions of miles away and the planet, the globe, all right? So we're going to look at it a little differently to try and hang on to their cosmology because that's more how they would have seen it. They actually would have seen sort of these three tiers that are we don't totally need to get into, but there would have been a dome. There would have been waters above the dome. The dry space we're going to see is happening, and then underneath would have been these chaotic waters, uh, and it was more like that. But for now, two realms, all right? Divine and human. Let's go with that. So that's good. You've got that. Cool. That means now I can talk about the cosmic temple. I've spent numbers of series talking about this, so that shouldn't be a new term to you. But we all want to be on the same page as we go through this. And so now we have a cosmology. Now we have cosmic temple. Sort of now let's understand what we believe God was doing in creation. And it gives us a way to look at it the way they would have understood it. And so what's going on there in Genesis 1? I believe, is that what you're having described is a cosmic temple. Uh, and, and by that, I meant it would be a place where God would dwell and that we would dwell with him. God's heart in this cosmic temple was to have a place where heaven and earth connected. You've heard me say that I don't know how many times over the last, but that's important, right? And it was important to the heart of God. And, and so he wanted to make this place where he would be and where we would be together, and it was here on this planet. And and so what happens over these next verses in Genesis is sort of a description of this cosmic temple being put in place. It was written, people, and so you, you timeline now is important. I think some people think that the Bible was that that these, this chapter in Genesis was written as it was happening, creation, and it wasn't. When was it written? Sometime after the Exodus. And so it was written to the Israelites somewhere on their journey in the Promised Land or shortly after. It was written in that space. 
And the people it was written to would have understood what temples were all about. And they would have thought of temples, as they did back then, as a, a real place where heaven and earth connected, even if it was little G-God temples, which is what the people of Israel would have known in Egypt. And then you get into the, the Exodus story, and you see what God is doing in all of those plagues, is he's demonstrating that he's big G-God, and that he's far more powerful than all the little G-Gods of the thing. And each plague is targeting one of those gods who would have had a temple. And in that temple, when they built a temple, the last thing they did was they put an image of the God in that temple. And then that was considered sacred place. So what's happening in cosmic temple is, is you start seeing the picture, right? Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. First, first couple of verses here, we, we already have a picture of Trinity happening. You've got God Father, you've got Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Very next verse, the spokes. God speaks. We know that's Jesus, the Word of God, because the New Testament writers tie that all in for us. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word's with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. You get it. All right. So here's this great picture there in the first couple of pictures, I, I, pictures of verses of Trinity happening. And God says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day, the first step in this cosmic temple, uh, light. Now, I, I have this thought, too, that we read it without reading it, sometimes, the Bible. We don't really dig into it like... Does it bother anyone here that we get light on the first day, but we don't get sun, moon, and stars until day four? Have you ever... I just think we read past it. We don't even look at it. Well, you know, this is kind of what happened, but whatever. Well, why is that? Well, it's very important that you get that the reality here is that God is light, the light of the world. You're going to get it later. You read the end of Revelation 21, and all of a sudden in the, the temple that comes down from heaven, the new temple, because we mess this one up, uh, it, there is no sun or moon or stars because you don't need them because God is light, which is how he set it up in the beginning. But there you go. I think that's really cool. And I would suggest slow down and read through it again because there's some really cool stuff in there. And I love it was evening and it was morning the first day. And then the, the temple continues on, day two, three, four, five. Uh, he separates the waters and the land, big deal. He creates the plants, also sun, moon, stars, day four, fish, birds, animals. Finally, on day six, what happens is that the temple is pretty much complete on day six. And so what God does is he puts his image in the temple. Everybody would have got that back then. There you go. Oh, there's the image. Who's the image in this temple? You, us. We're, we're imagers, right? And he puts us there, and then you get the, that's the evening and morning on the sixth day. And then Genesis 2, now we're going to seventh day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And on the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I think, again, we often will read that and we think God had a you know, tough six days and on day seven, he kicked back in his lazy boy and goes, whoo. There's a couple of things. It's really, the, he rested on creation the idea is the temple's finished, the image is in there, and now the presence of God comes, and heaven and earth is connected. That's what's happening. That's what he does on day seven. Here it is, and boom, there's God, and we've got this heaven and earth connection taking place on day seven. Also, fascinating, 
Do you ever notice at the end of day seven, it doesn't say, and there was evening and there was morning? It's not something's going on. The seventh day is kind of hanging around. That's, that's happened, right? Now, big pause is going to happen because of the fall and the flood and the Tower of Babel. We're going to look at all that. But something significant is going on. So here's the picture, and God wants to dwell with us, his human family. Heaven and earth are connected. We know that. Everybody still with me? They're like, he's talking a lot today. I got two more that I need to get through so that we can press on into the story next week. Imagers. God created us in his image. We'll deal more with this in second and third week. But I, I want you, as you study and as you reflect, as you think about things, to we often get caught up in the idea of imagers is that we sort of look like God. We, we're in, oh, we must be, we look, and it's not what it is. You need to think of it more as a verb than a noun. Imagers is what we do. We're to image God in the world. We, we are to, he gives us his qualities, his attributes. We're, we're not God, we're, but we're like God. We're lesser than God, absolutely. But we're like him, and because we're family, we have lesser attributes. But he designs us, he creates us, because his heart is to partner with us and to make a difference on the planet. Uh, Eden would be the cosmic temple that he created. Uh, the whole planet was good, but Eden was better than that. It was his temple. And we're to go from there. The vocation was partner with God and go and make the rest of the planet like Eden. That's what was supposed to happen. We're the royal priesthood. We have, uh, as imagers, we're to reflect God into the world, reflect, uh, reflect the praises of the world back to God. And the royal part is we partner with him to make a difference on the planet. We were co-rulers with him, not because he needed us, because he wanted us. God is really big on family. And so he does it. God creates mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them and he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So he creates us in his image. We're like him. And then he says, here's what you're going to do. We're going to go and do this together. One of the things you're going to see in this spiritual battle is that the enemy... Because the enemy can't destroy God, they attack the imagers constantly. And they attack what we're supposed to be doing. You can almost see it behind every sort of battle that's going on in the world. You can see what we're called to, and you can see how the enemy has come against it in our lives. So it's very important that we get a hold of this idea that we're to represent God. That's his heart. Partners with us. Um, because he wants family and, and uh, he chooses to do it with amazing, really, about the heart of God as we get there. And we'll get more into the things, but, you know, he gives us intelligence and creativity and ah, so many amazing things that we have because God is who he is and he wants family. All right, last one. Elohim. This one's fascinating, and we'll dig into this next week more because I, I can't just do it in a few minutes, but I can give you something to think about. So, in the Old Testament, the word Elohim is used in many, many places. And uh, sometimes it's the word that means God, big G God. But it's used for lesser gods and angels and other things as well. That word Elohim, it's just important about context. So I would say that Elohim is sort of the term that's used in the Old Testament for any created being whose address is in the heavenly realm. Just a way for them to think about, all right? The divine realm, whatever that is, that's Elohim. Um, 
God is an Elohim, but he is not like the rest of the Elohim. He's above all Elohim. He is a divine being, which means Elohim, but he's El Elohim, if you would. He is God above. Nothing else compares to him. No one else compares to him. He is God, God alone, uh, and we'll look more at that in the Scripture. But when you're reading the, the Old Testament, you, you sort of have to look at where that, how that word is used and what it means, because sometimes it's not translated the way that it needs to be. And that impacts our understanding of the bigger story. And so, in the same way that God created us, before He created us, He created this divine family. And you, you know that to be true because you know about the angels, and you don't, most of you go, okay. So, way before He created us, He created this divine family, this being, these beings that are known as Elohim. Uh, and we often think of them as angels. The word is often translated that, but the spiritual family is more than that, and we need to begin to understand what's going on with that. And so angels, so, and let me tell, I'm going to give you a couple of things to Google. On the, it'll be fun for you this week, or not. First, and, and bear with me on this, because this might upset some people. I don't mean it to. Um, when you die, you do not become angels. That's become very popular in our culture. That that's what's believed. Oh, that's, and it's not what happens. It's not. It's it's. You don't become angels. You're you're human beings. You actually have a better deal, I think, than angels. And you're for being uh, as believers. What happens with us is we get resurrected bodies at the end, incorruptible, really cool, that are made to dwell with God here on the planet. So we got a great deal. If we die before all that happens, we will be in heaven with God in some way, shape, or form. But you will not be an angel. That's never going to happen. Angels are angels, and we're people. Second thing, and you might have been okay with the first one. You're not, some of you won't like this one at all. Angels don't have wings. <gasps> no, I do. I know. You're thinking verses. No. So let me say, there is a special group of angels that have wings. These are cherubim and seraphim. But as well as wings, and some have four wings and some have six wings, they often have four faces, one on each side, and one's an animal, and one's a human, and one's a lot, you know, bear. And, and, and those creatures, those spiritual beings, those Elohim show up around God in the throne room. That's the only place you see them. Whenever you encounter an angel in the scripture besides that, they're always in human form no wings. Why I say that and why I think this is important is we, we often have this concept now when I talk about spiritual battle and we've got winged angels and winged demons and all these things and it's got nothing to do with what's really happening. So I just, just something for you to Google. You, and you, you, may, you don't have to agree with me. I'm just telling you. When you read the scripture and you see an angel, they're almost always in human form that, there. Unless it's one of these rare accounts with seraphim or cherubim. But go look that up and you'll see that that's sort of the case. And so when you encounter an angel, do you know in Hebrews it says that, that all of you have encountered angels and you weren't aware of it? Basically, you may have, you, they're checking your hospital so that you, they don't have wings. You, you, would, you might have hung out and had some angels over for dinner or something and you didn't even know. Hebrews chapter 9, somewhere there, go read it. All right, so we got that. But this, this Elohim, this, this spiritual family is more than just angels. And that word is translated different ways. And one way that it should be translated often, and it's not, is it's translated as the children of God or the sons of God. And that is very important that we get because there's that family tie-in again that I was said was so important to God. Uh, here's a verse in Job 38. 
Uh, when, where were you, and he's talking to Job about creation, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off the dimension? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Uh, on what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. That is Elohim, that word angels, and is, is translated in a lot of translations better, sons of God. Sons of God were there, the children of God were there, the spiritual families there watching what was going on, and they were shouting for joy in the process. What we're going to find out as we press now into spiritual battle and what happened, which is why I had to set that all up. So God's heart is cosmic temple. It's going to be a place where he dwells with human family and his divine family, and we're all going to dwell together and we're going to enjoy one another. God's heart is going to be awesome. And he's, he's already created this divine family, and he says, look, we're going to make this human family, and it's really going to be cool. And uh, most of the sons of God, the children of God, are rejoicing, but apparently not all of them were happy about that decision. And that's where the battle starts. And you see it in Genesis 3, when one of the spiritual family tries to come and stop all of God's plans for this human family. And when, when you have this bigger story, you can begin to see where that battle was and how it continues and what's going on. But you need to be aware, that's what's happening. So, so hang on to those four terms, if you would, and, and uh, cosmology, think about that, not cosmetology. That would be another thing. Cosmic temple, God's heart, to have his human family and his divine family and him hanging out here on the planet. Imagers is a verb, not a noun, it's what we do. And Elohim exist, and we're going to dig more into them next week because I need to, because i got to touch on why that's important and what's going on and how often they show up in the Scripture that you may not have been aware of in the Old Testament. And it sets the backdrop for all of this battle. And uh, so that's where we're heading. And go ahead and Google about angels and wings uh, if you want. That's enough for today. Ministry team will hear my head over the wall. People on the way over there are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure that you get it. But listen, this whole thing starts by knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, for all of you, really, without that, none of this will even begin to make any sense at all. You, you need to know Jesus and, and have Holy Spirit come and dwell in you because he changes everything in our lives. And the way that we do that is, the Bible says we're to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord that he's made a way for us to be reconciled and reconnected. And so if you've never prayed a simple prayer like that, I encourage you to do it today. Best decision you'll ever make. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? And as you pray that, Holy Spirit comes and everything begins to change. So if you've never done that, make sure you do that today. Good message. I feel like I had prime rib for breakfast. Yeah, there you Thank go. Thank you. Good well, time. I'm hungry. Yeah, I know. Well, that's normal. Just a couple of things as we as we head into ministry time. Please get prayer if you need it. Miss um, Alicia had a word that that there's a gentleman in in your left shoulder. You're struggling with some arthritis. So if that's for any of you, let her lay hands on you and pray for you. And then I would really love my daughter-in-law Kimberly to come and give a word that she got this week. Hello again. I had to write this down because there were details. I saw that someone's feeling very frustrated and you've been praying for a heavy or weighty topic 
and um, you're upset because the people around you don't seem to acknowledge the issue and how much God is needed there. And it might be making you pretty angry. Um, I felt like the Lord said, of course the enemy doesn't want those acknowledged. He wants people blind to the spiritual battle. The Lord said, I see it, and I see your faithfulness as you intercede. Don't be angry with people who can't see. Continue on in faithfulness. I, the Lord, will handle the rest. The Lord is more than enough. And you, as his child, walk and act in his authority. I got the chill bumps. Yes. Amen. Take that for all of us. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together. May your blessings go before us and behind us and around us. And we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church, for your amazing generosity. We love partnering with you. Thank you thank you for your faithfulness to your giving, your offering, your tithing. Bless you for all of that. Let's sing the doxology, and we will dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. These doors will be open for you as you go. Ministry team will be over there. Be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Uh, looks like a nice day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Goodbye, everybody online. Thanks for being a part. We love you guys. And uh, next week, we're back in. More about the Elohim. And ah, I forgot to tell them. We're going to try and answer the question of why there's evil in the world. So, Hey, Stevie, what's your favorite? What do you like better? Poetry for Neanderthals or poop bingo? Poetry. Poetry for for Neanderthals. Neanderthals. All right, guys. Have a great week. Bye. God bless you guys. Good job, honey.